women have a unique role in creation. Women are the nurturers, the birth givers, the more spiritual of the genders. And Torah teaches that women have a special status. Join Mashi Lipska for the next hour as she expounds the Torah wisdom specific to women. Only on 101.9 High FM. Aguten Erev Shabbos. Mashi Lipsker here, delighted to be with you on Chai FM. On Erev Shabbos, Parshas Ki Sisa, Ki Tisa. This is the Parsha. This is the Parsha of love, of care for another. And it is a Parsha that speaks to us for right now. The name of the Parsha is When You Will Lift Up, When You Will Count. It starts out speaking about a census that Moshe is instructed to make, to take, count the people. But the words used is not least for to count, but kitisal in assault, to elevate. What is the purpose of interaction? The purpose of interaction is to elevate. The purpose of counting individuals is to see them individually. And Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader who teaches us all about leadership, shines in this parsha because his absolute love, care, compassion, and going to the nth degree Everything is about his people. And so the Parsha, in which we hear about the golden calf, and in which we hear about Hashem wanting to destroy the people, God forbid, and Moshe's sticking up for them to the nth degree, is called Kitisa, when you will elevate, when you will count. Who was Moshe praying for? Who was Moshe interceding for? It was not the majority of the people, and certainly not the righteous, the pious. It really was for the sinners. It really was for people who were not developed and people who were not, in the fullest sense, what a Jew should be. They were actually people who had followed the Jews out of Egypt because they saw that that's where the strength was that's where all the possessions were going. That's what was popular at the time. But when it came to a crisis, they fell apart. The Parsha is the most incredible Parsha. And in it, there is a command separate from the commands in Parshas to Ruma to build the various vessels for the temple and there is a command to build something called the kior. And the kior is the washing basin, the laver. And that kior was a very, very special vessel which was used before anything else, before approaching the altar, which was in the outer courtyard. The Kohanim would wash their hands before entering into the holy. Hands had to be washed as a preparation. 
And where did the water stay? It was in a copper laver, a copper basin and its stand. What was this kior? This kior was actually made of copper and when the proclamation came that the Jews had been forgiven for the sin of the golden calf, as you can see, there is no structured order. Ein mukdam umeuchar batorah. You can't say it went in order because the sin of the golden calf still has to happen. When everybody was being instructed to bring things, what was brought? Gold, silver, copper, beautiful colors of wool, of a beautiful blue and purple and scarlet and linen and different skins, wood, many beautiful things, 13 objects. The kior, however, was going to be made from something unique. When the announcement came to bring things, to donate things, the Jewish women had in their possession burnished copper mirrors that had been used in Egypt to beautify themselves. The men worked hard, the women worked hard, but after a long day's work, the husbands didn't even have strength to come home. They knew they had to be up early again to make the requisite number of bricks. And what did the Jewish women do after they had finished their work? The Jewish women made themselves beautiful. The Jewish women prepared food. The Jewish women took their copper mirrors and they went out into the fields to encourage their husbands, to uplift their husbands, to make them feel human. And what they did was they sat there with each one with her husband and held up the mirror and said, look, look at me, look at you, who looks better? And they would get their husbands with these mirrors to look at them. And in that way, they saw how the women had tried to beautify themselves. They were revived. They remembered that they were not just slaves, but they were husbands. And there under those trees, there out in the fields, there was intimacy. Marriages were revived. And from those unions, many, many Yiddish kinderlach were born. The hosts, the Tzivais Hashem, swelled, grew, despite the hardships that the women would have to raise these children on their own. And when they did march out of Egypt, and they were about to build a home for God, they donated these. And Moshe was not sure that he should accept them. And he asked Hashem, and Hashem said, Elu Actually, Moshe, these are more precious to me than everything, than all the gold and all the silver and all the precious gems and all of the fine materials. These, accept them. And Moshe made the copper laver and nothing shone in the temple except for this. 
more than the gold, more than the silver, this copper shone. And in Hashem's words, we get a powerful message. Elul chavivino laimina koel, says Rashi. These are more precious than anything else. What are we talking about? We are in this world as physical beings, vulnerable, fallible, make a lot of mistakes, and we have our tendencies. And Hashem says, I made you that way. And he puts us us into a world where there's so many distractions because we have two inclinations, an inclination to the material, an inclination to the spiritual. We actually have two souls, as it were. And their job is to vie for power, as it were, as two kings would vie for the ownership of a city. Our body is that little city. And the work that has to be done is unity. We need to take the passion of the natural soul, the animal soul, and direct it toward the godly soul, which means basically live in this world fully. Eat, drink, marry, connect, have business, buy things, but there's a direction for all of this, and that was God's intention. God desired to dwell amongst us. God desired a dwelling place in this world. And the materials that he put into this world in ethics of our fathers, it says as follows. In fact, Pirkei Avot ends with, Kol Hashem bi Everything that Hashem created in his world, he did not create except for his honor. What does that mean? That means we have to live in the world, use the world, the gold, the silver, the copper. Our homes, our tables, our bedrooms, our kitchens, everything. But use them in the way that honors Hashem synthesize the material and the spiritual. We'll speak more about that soon. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. I'm Mashi Lipsker. This is High FM. And it's Erev Shabbos of the Parsha that continues to speak about the establishment, the creation, the donations of things to make a home for Hashem in the desert called a mishkan, a sanctuary, a dwelling place. It actually is a forerunner to the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. And spiritually speaking, it is the way that we understand how to make a sanctuary for Hashem in our own hearts and our own homes. So Hashem created the world and filled it with many, many things in animate, plant life, animal life, and man. And man is instructed to interact with fellow human beings and with the other three categories to interact in a way, use them in a way, use opportunities, use objects for God. Everything in this world is to honor Hashem 
as we read in Ethics of Our Fathers. He created so much and everything is there to be used to honor him. And our mitzvot, so many of them are, they seem so mundane. Give a coin to tzedakah or eat kosher food, have a mezuzah on the door, put tefillin on your head, light a candle for Shabbos. What are we using? A coin? Everybody has work or money, but that coin becomes a holy coin. That becomes a service to Hashem and brings light and increases the goodness in this world. That action, when our food is proper, it refines and sensitizes us. It makes us healthy, spiritually and physically. Everything in this world, going to work ethically, using the money ethically, and making sure that we share with others. Not forgetting that anything God blesses us with, our mind, our heart, our physical being, our creative side, all can be plowed back into making this world a home for Hashem. So we go back to the construction of the kior. Hashem instructed Moshe to make a kior out of copper. And the women came with their copper mirrors that they had used to beautify themselves in Egypt and to raise a generation a strong generation even under such hardship. The generation that was able to identify Hashem as they crossed the sea. The generation that received the Torah at Sinai. And Moshe was unsure as to whether something which was used for something so external, for the Yetzirah in a sense, could it be used in the temple? And Hashem said, these are more precious to me than anything else. Because here lies the hugest message. Let's talk about beauty. We're told by our sages that a beautiful home and a be beautiful vessels and a beautiful woman expand the mind of a person. Women should be beautiful. Ain Isha Elaliyofi. Our homes should be beautiful. And the vessels we use in our home should be beautiful as well. But they're not there for selfish reasons. Everything is interactive. And the relationship between a husband and wife is the basis of the world, the basis of the Jewish home, the continuity the example that the children see. The home of Sarah and Avraham is the home we look to for example. Sarah was modest. She was generous. They had a wonderful home where they gave the best food even to strangers. And through their activities of being out there in the world, they brought monotheism. They brought people under the wings of the Shechina. Who were these people? Strangers, idol worshippers. And in the Parsha this week, 
the seventh generation from Avraham continues that work, as did Yitzchak, Yaakov, Yaakov's children. We can go to Levi, Kahos, Amram, seventh generation Moshe. And that leadership continues, has continued throughout the generations that responsible Jewish leaders were told there's Ispashtusa de Moshe Bechol Dora Vedora. There is a ray of Moshe. There is a leader who carries a spark of Moshe. People like Mordechai HaTzadik, we know. We have had our leaders throughout generations and each one of us has to stand in their footsteps and continue by their example. We are not here to judge. We are here to protect, to uplift Kitisa. We are here to encourage that everything in a person's life be used in the service of Hashem. A person's home, a person's vessels must be beautiful. And a beautiful woman, all of these things tap into all aspects of how God made us so that we can serve him fully. And look at the Mishkan. It was beautiful. The materials used, which are delineated in the Parsha, were colorful, expensive, and the talents used in order to create this magnificent, exact structure, the talents were so refined and so amazing. And all those who participated used not only their talents, but their devotion to Hashem, that their work be done on the highest level and according to the instructions that Moshe gave them from Hashem. There was a kior, this laver, which represents beauty on the highest level. So let's look at the Eshet Chayel that we will say tonight. It starts off by saying, King Solomon says, Eshet Chayel, you want to say a woman of valor, a woman whose soldiers on, a woman who is multifaceted, as we read in the Eshet Chayel, for what? For her home, for her children, for her husband, with dignity, with wisdom. And it does say that she is beautiful. However, the end, although she's dressed in beautiful garments, and she is a woman whose deeds are beautiful, and she is beautiful, the last word in Eshet Chayel is ma'aseha her deeds. Her children get up to praise her, her husband to praise her. She is known. Her husband is known. She's a businesswoman. She's a woman who directs her household. But who is the woman of valor? The woman of valor is translated in her deeds. And her deeds are sterling because they are to give to others to be beautiful for her husband, to be an example to her children, to be uplifting for the poor. This makes her an Eshet Chayel, her deeds. This is a world of action, taking the materials that God put into this world and that he gives us in our lives, 
some more, some less. But the more we use what we've got in abilities, in physical objects, in time, in the space that we have, the more Hashem gives us because when we use them correctly, He gives us more to elevate and use correctly. Let's look at our homes. Let's look at the Mishkan. There was a, an altar in the outer courtyard representing what? Teaching us about sacrifice. But even before, offer, before offering anything, the hands and the feet of the Kohen had to be washed at the Kior. To remember this is the example of how we enter the home selflessness for the others, for the other, raising the next generation, using whatever we can, even in the slavery of Egypt, to make sure that we're focused on the goal, our goals. What are we here for? And if we enter then inside, we see the holy table, which had bread on it, a holy bread representing kashrut, and there were vessels there, holy vessels, kosher vessels, and there was incense there because our bread can become incense to Hashem. There was a menorah representing light, illumination, seven branches, representing different approaches to godliness, representing different souls and their approaches that come into our home, different children, each one who needs a different approach to illuminate their soul. And there was a incense altar. Yes, we're getting closer to the Holy of Holies. We must offer Hashem of our finest. And then there was a curtain, the Holy Parachas, and behind it, behind it was the Torah. But behind it also were the cherubs. Behind the curtain represents intimacy, intimacy with modesty. And behind the curtain represents connection. And when there is connection, thinking of the other, then the Shekhinah, God's presence, comes down from between these two cherubs and pours out into the rest of the home. When things are good, and proper according to Torah, and that needs work between husband and wife, then there is holiness, peace, God's presence, and blessing in the entire home. And that's covered because the most cherished things in Judaism are covered. Like the Torah has a cover, the chalas are covered, are to fill in the boxes inside is where the scrolls are, the mezuzah is covered, and a woman is covered. A woman is covered because she is the last thing created in the six days of creation, and she is the leader of the future, already showing leadership now, Erev Mashiach. And we need to cover, as the priest in the tabernacle, had special garments which reflect God's presence, the woman too must remember the way we dress is a frame for our soul. 
The way we dress has to be royal and, yes, covered. It is incredible because every mitzvah and every halacha is exact. The priestly garments, exact, because this is a world of action. We need to dovetail with God's instruction for how to act. We're making a home for Hashem, and we're making that home within our own hearts and our own dwellings. And the Jewish woman is the priestess, the koheness in that home. And there's a pointed reason. The home is a foundation, and it has been as a reward for the righteous women in every generation that Hashem has redeemed the people. We know that that's what happened in Egypt, and we've just discussed their righteous deeds. They believed even in the darkness, and they didn't just believe, they acted. They raised a generation with hope, and we're coming up to Purim. It was in the merit of a righteous woman, Esther, that the entire nation was redeemed. Where was Esther? She was in the palace. Esther was in a secluded place, as it were, in a difficult situation for her, but she did not think about herself. She followed the Moshe of her generation. She had a unique mission, and he reminded her when the moment came, You've got to go speak to the king, Esther, because there's a decree hanging over the heads of the Jews. And she says, I haven't been called for 30 days. And the law is that if a person comes, even the queen, and she hasn't been called for 30 days or they haven't been called, it's off with their head. Unless the king decides to extend his royal scepter, which is very rare. And really, Mordechai, I haven't been called in 30 days, in more than 30 days. And Mordechai says to her, and who knows if it was for this moment that all of this has happened, that you have become queen. We follow that journey of Esther and how she eventually became queen against her will. And Esther goes to the king because it wasn't about her, it was about her nation. And it was about following the Moshe of her generation. The Holy Ari, Rabbi Yitzchak Luria says that the souls in our generation are the same as the souls of the people who left Egypt. The souls of the people of the generation of Mashiach are the same as the souls of the people who left Egypt, which the Rebbe explains that makes the women of this generation the same souls of the women who left Egypt. And in Egypt, they used their mirrors. And in coming out of Egypt, in this week's parsha, we have the building of the golden calf. And Moshe, and Moshe it seems, was delayed, which he really wasn't. They didn't count properly. And what happened was, 
are on buying for time, said to them, get the gold that your wives are wearing in their ears, knowing full well that the women would refuse, which they did. The women said to the men when they came to get their gold, what you want to make is an abomination. We want nothing to do with it. We want no part of it. And amazingly, it was all the women from within, the women whose amuna is closer to the surface than that of men who refused. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Meshi only on 101.9 High FM. And we're talking the Jewish woman. We're talking the Eishas Chayel. And we're talking that the Arizal, Rabbi Yitzchak Luria says, that the souls of the people living at the time of Mashiach will be the same as the souls of the people who left Egypt. And the Rebbe points out that that makes the women of our generation the women who left Egypt. In Egypt, they used their burnished copper mirrors to raise an entire generation under the most adverse circumstances. In the desert, they refused to give their gold to build the golden calf. They refused. They didn't have WhatsApp. They didn't have email. They had no social media. Each woman, though, because the emuna of women is closer to the surface than that of the men. And the men were constantly questioning throughout the 40 years in the desert. And the men, some of the men, took their own jewelry from their own ears and made the golden calf. And one could think, says the Rebbe, that the women didn't want to part with their jewelry. It wasn't that. Because when the announcement came to build a Mishkan, a home for Hashem, they came first. They brought the most. They brought the best. The best of physical objects, the best of their most precious possessions, most personal possessions, and even used their very, very clever talents to weave in the most remarkable way. So they used their possessions, they used their abilities, just like in the Eishas Chayel. In fact, Hashem, knowing that the Jewish women are so close to him, before he gave the Torah, he asked Moshe to speak to the women first, even in a gentle way, in crisis. Look at the Jewish women in Israel. Look at these courageous mothers, wives, grandmothers, returned hostages, widows. Look at these women who are raising a powerful generation and to see whom they've raised, look at our chayalim, sensitive at every turn, seeing true value. So when the war broke out, even people who are not, as it were, practicing yet, praying, screamed Shema Yisrael, shouted, I want tzitzit, bring me tefillin, etc., etc., and we keep getting messages, pray for us, because they were raised by women of our generation 
who have the souls of the women who left Egypt. The true values surface. Look what's happened overnight in our holy country to see the reaction of men, women, and children of every sphere. Our hearts are filled with pain and pride. Our hearts yearn to do everything and anything to help. So I want to share a little story. It's actually a story about a couple who didn't have children in the time of the first Rebbe. And this man, whose name was Rav Gavriel, who was a wealthy merchant, who was a wealthy merchant. And Reb Gavriel had many associates and business people, etc. But he actually lost all his money. And they lost their money, but there was something else which was very heartbreaking for them. They had no children. And every year, the messenger from the Rebbe would come for Pidyon Shvuyim. That's to release hostages. For in the olden days, like today, people were taken, held for ransom, a huge amount of ransom. And one had to be careful because, like Reb Meir of Rottenburg, did not allow himself to be ransomed because he said they will continue to kidnap people like myself and the Jews were so poor. And he actually passed away in prison. That was his choice. However, the story of Rev Gavriel, he always gave a big donation and he couldn't give. And he was heartbroken and didn't know what to do. And his wife saw him so despondent and the messengers had left. And what she did was she took all of her jewelry, she ran and she pawned it. And from the coins that she got, she scoured them. She rubbed them with sand till they sparkled. And then she put them in a, in a pouch. She gave it to her husband. She said, go to the Rebbe. Give him this. Give him a donation to release the Shvuyim, the captives. And he took it and off he went to the Rebbe. He wasn't sure what was inside. And when he finally had his turn to come into the Rebbe, the Rebbe took this bag and he emptied it and the coins just sparkled. And the Rebbe turned to him and said, nothing shone as much as the laver and its stand, this washing basin and its stand in the temple. Where did you get these coins? And Rev Gavriel had to tell the Rebbe that his business had gone down. His wife had pawned her jewelry and this is what she had done, this Eishat Chayel, I'm saying. And the Rebbe said, right. In the merit of this, you go and you um, invest in a certain business, you get jewels, and you start dealing in gems. And he also gave him the blessing to have children. Now they were older already. And he went home and he followed the Rebbe's advice and they had children, and they lived long, 
and he started a gem business and he had such a good name that noblemen, governors, princes came and dealt with him, all in the merit of his wife behaving like the women in Egypt. You take your most prized possessions, you shine it up, and you give it to help someone else. Women should be beautiful. And that's why in the Rambam he speaks about a woman should have colorful scarves in the days when they wrapped scarves around their heads, that she should remain beautiful for her husband. That women, there were peddlers going around always in the time of Ezra with makeup, with perfume, that women should be beautiful because we don't just get gorgeous so that we can, God forbid, do the wrong thing. This is in the home. Ein isha elaliyofi, but basmelach pnima, the daughter of the king, is in an inward sense. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. And we're talking beauty. A woman should be beautiful. Her home should be beautiful. Her vessel should be beautiful. We're not talking about necessarily expensive. We've got to take what we can, but real beauty is inner beauty. And how does the Aishas Chayel prayer end? It speaks about the woman who is God-fearing. Isha yiras Hashem hitis halal. A woman who fears God she shall be praised. And then her children, her husband praise her, and her deeds are praised at the gates. A God-fearing woman is the real beautiful woman. The real Eshet Chayel, the warrior. Because she doesn't fear anything. She's up at night, she's up at day. She knows what she should be doing. She is building her home, her family, and the world. And of course, we have spiritual children. We cannot ignore those who come to us who are in need. We need to open our eyes to whoever Hashem brings into our lives because it's always for an infinitely wise, important reason. Don't ignore anything or anyone. Just think about why they might be there and then decide if to engage or to move away. The woman was created last. We have a saying, we say it in the Chadodi. What was created last was thought of first. The woman exemplifies the purpose of creation. The Jewish nation is called Hashem's wife. And at Sinai, Hashem and the Jewish nation became husband and wife. But there will be a bigger wedding in the future where Hashem will reveal himself in his home down here in this world. And everyone will be so crystal clear about their place. There will be crystal clarity about light and dark, good and evil. Goodness is life. Anyone who cares about life 
that person is connecting to the purpose of the world. Anyone who cares about respect, anyone who cares about healing, but God forbid those who care only about themselves, they don't even care properly for their nearest and dearest, only for themselves. We don't even find this in the animal kingdom. This is the antithesis of why God created the world. God created the world that we uplift the heads of all, every individual as the parsha begins, that we combine material and spiritual, that we make good choices. We must channel the physical, not destroy or negate it. We must take our best, our jewelry, and polish it and put it into the service of creating a home for Hashem. And that way, a most amazing, amazing time will come about. The time of Mashiach that we are on the doorstep of will become a full re reality. And we need to remember that we as women have the power, it's in our DNA, it's in our psyche, it's in the abilities that God has given us to pursue beauty, to uplift others. It's not about me. It's about the others that God brings into my space. Of course I must take care of myself. But the Parsha that begins with Ki Tisa, when you will count, when you will uplift, ends with the word itoi, with him. It's not about me, it's about him. It's about the other. And the beginning is wedged in the end and the end in the beginning. And we as Jewish women take this parsha very seriously. We are here to uplift with passion. We are here to see the other and connect itoi. And that makes it pleasing. Reach nichayach la Hashem. Good Shabbos.